if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And hour number two is now underway at nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks so much for being with us on this Thursday, the seventh morning of the fifth month in the year of our Lord, 2020. Um, I'm going to tell you more about the rally around Ohio in just a bit. I don't want to take time away from our guest here. I know I promised it to you after the top of the hour, but uh, on Saturday, at 1 o'clock in many, many locations, uh, many, many counties represented in Ohio. We hope to get all 88 counties, but we are going to rally around Ohio, not all in Columbus, but all over our state in a show of solidarity and support for freedom, which is exactly what is being denied us by our governor right now. So I'll tell you more about that coming up in a bit. But our guest is waiting, and so let's bring him on. Dr. Everett Piper is our regular Thursday guest. He is a columnist for The Washington Times. He is a best-selling author, and he is the former president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. University, among other titles, and of course, he is our Thursday guest on AM 1420, The Answer. Dr. Piper, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. Thanks for having me on, as always. Uh, Dr. Piper, I've got so much to talk to you about. Uh, some of it has, it's not pivoted from what you and I planned to discuss, including your column, but it's kind of in addition to that. After I heard the commentary from the official in Ventura County, California this morning, I'm going to share that with you after we talk about your column from this past Saturday. Uh, let's okay. talk about, let's talk about President Reagan. Uh, this was a fantastic column looking back uh, to the words of the great communicator, as you note, that he, of course, is often referred to. And, uh, and, and, and you know, the, the notion that we would ever be willing to sacrifice our liberty and our freedom for any reason, uh, least of all the threat of, of death, least of all the threat of danger. We have fought wars, as you pointed out. Um, uh, and in fact, quoting your column toward the end, the Revolutionary War was a battle for freedom. The Civil War was a fight for freedom. World War One and World War Two were fought for freedom. And none of those conflicts were safe. We knew that battles that were engaged in were going to lead to death on, of some people on our side, but the wars were worth fighting. And take that and, and apply that now. Uh, you, you also quote Eisenhower, which I absolutely loved, by the way, and I'll let you quote that so that you can expound upon it. But take that and apply that to the the war. President Trump likes to say we're in a wartime right now, that he's a wartime president against the coronavirus. Um, some people seem to think that we can and must uh, fight this or combat this with no one ever dying, with no threat, with no risk, that we can somehow manage to uh, to deal with this without any risk whatsoever. And, and I'll let you take it from there. <laughs> 
Well, you've pointed out repeatedly, and logically so, that no activity that we engage in is without risk, whether it be driving a car, whether it be going hunting, whether it be going fishing, whether it be uh, riding a snowmobile, whether it be riding a jet ski. uh, We all assume risk when we engage in the normal activity of daily life. And if we want to have a risk-free environment, if we want to have a 100% safe environment, I'd go back to what I said on your show two or three weeks ago when I quoted Michael Ramsden, and I said we'd all have to be buried in 10-by-10-foot 10 10 cubicles and fed intravenously by artificial intelligence robots to keep us safe from disease and safe from disaster. Indeed, we would be safe in such a situation, but is that what we expect of the human being and human experience and human identity? No. We don't expect to be safe like cattle in a corral. We expect to be free human beings, which assumes rust. And Ronald Reagan rightfully pointed that out in 1964 in his famous Rendezvous with Destiny speech, where he said, and I paraphrase marginally so, but I'm coming close to the exact quote, that any people that give up freedom sell their freedom for the sake of safety. Better be prepared for a master and you deserve one. In other words, you can go to Cuba and be safe. You could have lived in the former Soviet Union and been safe. You could arguably live in Venezuela and be safe. You can go to Red China and be safe. But in none of those places will you be free. So we have to ask ourselves as an American people, what is our highest good? What is our first thing? And I'll remind everybody again what C.S. Lewis said and John Richard Newhouse said. And that is when you give up the first thing for the sake of the second, you don't get either the second or the first. But when you honor the first thing, the highest priorities, the summum bonum, the highest good, you get the first, plus you get a good measure of the second thrown in. So is our first thing safety? Is the statue that stands on our eastern shore the statue of liberty, or is it the statue of safety? There's a reason it says liberty. There's a reason for that. There's a reason it doesn't say the statue of safety. Because a safe people is an immature people. It's an immature culture. It's a culture that's held under the thumb and uh, with a foot on your neck by a despot who is going to keep you safe. If we're really ready to vote for safety in the next election rather than freedom, again, to quote Reagan, you better be prepared for a master because you deserve one. That is uh, exactly right and very well said. Um, To that point uh, about masters and about being ruled and about being oppressed and literally, you know, uh, dictated to, if that's the best way to say we are being being, uh, uh, forced into a dictatorship, I want to share with you. Uh, the audio that I was talking about that I just found this morning before my program, this is from, uh, I don't know, I may be the health director or somebody with the Ventura County, California Department of Health, but he was announcing essentially an end to all rights to privacy uh, that we may have ever been granted by the Constitution. I'm going to play three short clips for you, Dr. Piper, and then ask you to react to that. This is, this is part one. When we find someone who has a COVID infection, those people are immediately isolated. But we also work with them to figure out who their contacts were. Uh, But the purpose of this program is to bring on people. We may bring on up to 50 or even more 
as the program grows and as we see the needs for it. As we do more testing, we will find more and more people who have COVID-19. The people they're going to bring on that he's talking about are spies, essentially, uh, agents uh, to investigators to check into your life. Here's more on that. And again, we'll isolate every one of them, and we will find every one of their contacts, and we will make sure that they stay quarantined, and we'll check in with them every day. We're going to do a more complete job, and we're going to do a more meticulous job of making it less and less possible for others in the county to run into someone with COVID-19. He went on to say, Dr. Piper, that they will hire thousands, if need be, to track every contact in your life. So they will look into your business, your travels, your shopping, your destinations, anybody you've had, your coworkers, your friends. They will look into their lives and try to trace to see where you and they might spread this disease next. So privacy is gone. And then here's the coup d'etat. Some of the people we find are going to have trouble being isolated. For instance, if they live in a home where there's only one bathroom and there are three or four other people living there and those people don't have COVID infection, we're not going to be able to keep the person in that home. Every person who we're isolating, for instance, needs to have uh, their own bathroom. And so we'll be moving people like this into other kinds of housing that we have available. Forcible removal from your own home by the state. One might call that internment um, if one wanted to be cynical. How do you see it, Dr. Piper? I feel like you ought to cue up the music from, uh, what was it, 19th whenever it was, the Beatles, back to the USSR. Yeah. I mean, my land, this is so draconian. And it all is predicated on the assumption that whenever you get sick, Bob, or I get sick, we can be spied on, we can be reported on, we can be confined, and we can even be taken out of our home and put in, put in some sort of environment where we have, uh, where, where we're more secure and we're protected from ourselves as well as the other people are protected from us. Right. This smacks of making us wear yellow stars and then putting us behind a wall where we can only exist and exchange by the mercy of the government. This, I mean, Gavin Newsom is telling people, I'm beside myself, Gavin Newsom is telling people in California that they can't play tennis, but they can play table tennis. That's in his newly released COVID-19 protocol. You can't go out and play tennis. Dr. Piper, your phone, Dr. Piper, if I may, your phone is, is kind of intermittently cutting out to uh, barely audible, and I'm missing some of what you're saying. So what I want to do is break here. I want to reestablish okay. the phone call with you so that we don't miss all of your wisdom here. Uh, seriously, mean that. I'm missing some of what you have to say, and I know everybody else wants to hear you, too. So let's take this quick time out. We'll fix the connection with Dr. Piper and come right back on AM 1420, The Answer. Ask and you shall receive. 
Dr. Uh, Every Piper continues with us now at AM 1420, The Answer. He mentioned that song, and Andrew had it ready to rock and roll. Uh, and it's true, because that is what this is uh, reminiscent of, listening to the uh, clips of the health officials in Ventura County, California, talking about uh, uh, pretty much 24-7 surveillance and surveillance into the lives of your contacts, as well as potential removal from your own home if you have COVID-19 but not enough facilities for the state's satisfaction. Dr. Piper, uh, let's see if we can pick it up from there and hope we have a uh, good connection. Go right ahead, sir. Um, I hope we do, too. I, um, what I was saying is the, the draconian measures in California are taking place across the nation. I talked on your show a week ago about the mayor of Venita, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Chuck Hoskin, who is telling people that they can't go fishing alone, that they can't go hiking alone, that they can't go hunting alone. In Vanita, Oklahoma, the reddest of red states, Gavin Newsom is telling people that you can't play tennis, but you can play tables tennis. This is asinine. This makes no sense. We've talked about it over and over again. Why is it okay for me to go to the drive-in window at McDonald's and get a burger, but it's not okay for me to go to the drive-in service at my church and read my Bible? And then in Kansas City, we just learned this week that the mayor of Kansas City is requiring churches, requiring churches to submit their membership list so that you have to be documented as a member of a given church so that they can track you and police you and potentially confine you because they don't like what we're doing. You know, Bob, it is time for some civil disobedience. People need to be willing to get put in jail and to be fined for telling these little emperors with no clothes, no, we will not conform to this. This is not constitutional. We will not bow at the government of at the altar of government. We demand our constitutional liberties. <sighs> It's uh, funny that you say that. We should be willing to go to jail, uh, because that brings us to another story I did want to discuss with you, and I'm sure you saw it. The Dallas, Texas salon owner who uh, defied the state order to remain closed because, quite frankly, she said, I can't pay my mortgage. I'm behind on my mortgage. I don't want to lose my house. Oh, by the way, my children aren't eating right, and neither are the children of the 19 salon uh, stylists that I uh, that I allow to use my space. You know, they usually contract those out. They're independent contractors, these women. And they can't work either. And so she said, look, uh, I'm going to have to feed my children or follow the orders of the state. I choose to feed my children. And she opened up and she was told to close down. She did not. And I don't know if you saw the uh, co- the exchange in the courtroom. I played it yesterday. But the judge told her, I won't sentence you to seven days in jail and $7,000 in fines if you admit you are selfish if you apologize to the court uh, for violating this order uh, and admit that you're wrong. And she said, I was not being selfish. Feeding my kids is not selfishness. That is my responsibility. And as far as wanting, you know, basically he said, I want you to get on bended knee and kiss the robe. She said no. So he sentenced her to jail. Now, the good news is the attorney general in Texas has demanded that she be set free. But this is what you're talking about, isn't it, doctor? Absolutely. You've got local power, hungry officials that are drunk with the authority that they can now assume because everybody is frightened and scared and they're worshiping at the altar of safety rather than recognizing that human beings should be free. You know, when I was in undergrad school studying psychology, I was told over and over again in the 70s and 80s that the cause of all human dysfunction was economic injustice. 
and that terrorism would disappear and that poverty would disappear and child abuse and spousal abuse and all of the human ailments would disappear if we just had economic justice. If we had a higher minimum wage, for example, all human evils would go away. Isn't it ironic that the leftists who tried to teach me that pablum in the 70s and 80s are now arguing to create a dysfunctional economy and to put everybody out of work? They're the ones who told me that if everybody was out of work and if everybody was underpaid, that you'd have greater human misery and greater human suffering. So why are you creating 33 million people out of work and then pretending that all is going to be well? You're going to have more dysfunction. You're going to have more disease. You're going to have more malnutrition. You're going to have more poverty. You're going to have more violence. You're going to have more child abuse and spousal abuse and, and addiction because you just put 33 million people out of work. Why is it selfish for those people to demand the ability to feed their kids? Yeah, and and that's very direct. You know, I mean, it's one thing to say just the general idea of freedom is being challenged here. We have to defend that. And that's worth defending. I mean, we've had people die for that notion. But we're not just talking about a, a faceless word like freedom. We're talking about feeding kids. We're talking about not losing your home. We're talking about, uh, you know, being able to meet your obligations and care for your family. And that is what's being jeopardized. And Dr. Piper, let me wrap with this. Um, I have been personally, and I'm sure a lot of other people have been too, waiting for state legislatures, state assemblies, to get involved in this because the governors are gone, have gone wild. I compare them to the old girls gone wild videos of the 90s, a bunch of girls dancing in bikinis and stupid horny guys buy the videos to watch them dance. The governors are dancing around and essentially rubbing it in the faces of their constituents that they have nobody to answer to. The one group that they should be able to answer to is a co-equal branch of government like the legislature. Yesterday in Ohio, uh, our legislature stood up. Uh, the, the House of Representatives voted to pass a bill to limit the ability of the governor and the state health director to do what they are doing, to make their orders advisory only, and limited to 14 days without approval of an extension by the legislature. And immediately the governor said, I will veto that. So it's going to take a widespread, um, uh, you know, the courage of state assemblies all over to say, then we'll, then we'll overrule you or we will, uh, 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 override your veto, I should say. Do you see this happening in Oklahoma or anywhere else? And if not, why not? Well, it should be happening, and and good for your legislature for standing up. And as you know, just north of your border, north of, north of Toledo, Whitmer has done the exact same thing. She has defied the legislature. She has told them to go pound sand, that she's a little emperor and she's going to do what she wants. They need to impeach her. You need to be putting pressure on your elected officials to do their job. They swore an oath to defend the Constitution of Ohio and the United States, they need to do their job. And they need to impeach these power brokers who will not follow the law. I'm going to go slightly past our news break here just to kind of bring that up. Because, you know, if if our legislatures can't get it done, um, um, and you mentioned the Constitution, they swore an oath to the Constitution, there is something that needs to be considered here, and that is what Attorney General Barr has cited a couple of weeks ago. Now, I'm waiting for him to do more than just cite it. I'm waiting for him to stand up and issue letters uh, to governors saying cease and desist based on uh, U.S. Code 18, Title 18, Section 242, which says, whoever under any color of any law, statute, ordinance, regulation, or custom willfully subjects any persons in any state to the deprivation of any rights, privileges, or immunities secured or protected by the Constitution 
shall be fined under this title and or imprisoned for not more than one year or both. Essentially, U.S. Code says that state officials can't just ignore the Constitution. They can't just pass laws in their own states that violate uh, 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 their citizens' constitutional rights as Americans. When do you think Bill Barr and the Department of Justice is going to intervene? Because that's what it's going to take. When the public outcry is loud enough to make them do so. We have the bully pulpit. The government of the United States is we the people. It's not your governor. It's not your legislature. It's not Governor Whitmer in Michigan or your governor in Ohio. Or it is not the gov. The government is we the people. We are the government. We need to exercise our authority within or upon the bully pulpit that we have. That's when people will finally wake up. Till we do so, they're going to keep exercising inordinate power and, and oppressing us. Well, we need we need leadership, and we need voices like yours, and I'm so glad you're able to join us to share that voice. Hopefully you'll be able to find more and more avenues in order to spread that message, because we certainly appreciate it, Dr. Piper. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bob. Bye-bye. 1031, the Bob France Authority continues with your calls after this. Back to wine in the OAB. Ten thirty-seven. We continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Thank you so very much for being with us. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, good stuff by Doctor Everett Piper. Uh, the quote that he had from um, Dwight Eisenhower that I mentioned earlier in our conversation that was in his column from this past Saturday was this: If you want security, go to prison. There, you're fed, clothed, given medical care. The only thing lacking is your freedom. Isn't that accurate? If you want security, safety, go to prison. You'll be fed, clothed, and given medical care and housing, but you won't be free. And that's what I fear that Mike DeWine, Amy Acton, Gavin Newsom, and all the rest of the power-mad governors gone wild, that's what they don't quite understand. They somehow think it's their responsibility to provide everybody with safety, that we can provide the people with a risk-free lifestyle, that there will be no risk of catching COVID-19 or any other disease, no risk of anything. But the only thing you have to do in order to achieve that is not be free. I said this before, living free and living risk-free are not compatible The two things cannot coexist. You either live freely and have risks associated with your life, things that can kill you, things that can make you sick, things that can put you in the hospital, or you can live risk-free and have none of those things, but be locked up like a house cat staring out the window at the outside world and being thankful that you don't have to go outside and risk all of the dangers associated with it. Um, I want to go back to the uh, protests, the rally around Ohio, or rallies around Ohio. This is what I told you about yesterday, and I've been asked to repeat it, and I'm going to repeat it because I want people to go to it, you know, know, if you're able to, if your county is having one. Many counties are, apparently, not all 88, though, unfortunately. But uh, the counties are listed. There are various locations that are going to be holding rallies. Uh, at a website uh, called freeohionow.com. So I want you to go to freeohionow.com and click on the rally around Ohio, and you will see 
uh, locations for every county where you will be doing this on Saturday, if you are willing, Saturday at uh, 1 o'clock. Saturday at 1 o'clock in most circumstances. I think maybe a couple of them are doing it at 2 o'clock, but the vast majority of them are doing it at 1 o'clock for the rally around Ohio. And all of the different counties that are participating are listed on the website there. You can click it. You can find out the location, where you're supposed to park, where you're supposed to just click the Learn More tab under each county's name, and you'll find parking and times of arrival and uh, advice to bring signs. And, of course, bring signs with messages that we want the world to see. Keep them classy, keep them respectful, and show the world what we're all about. We're all about liberty. We're all about our constitutional rights. We're all about making sure that we can live freely, not oppressing oppressing other people, not insulting other people. And by the way, if you see the occasional outlier or the occasional plant, which I think is more likely, Somebody carrying a sign that does not represent the values that you represent, that you care about. Somebody that is displaying something that is going to make the entire group look bad by association. Point those individuals out. Point those individuals out to leadership so that they can be turned and driven out of the, the, uh, the area. And when I say driven, I don't mean violently. We're not Antifa. We don't do that. We don't turn violent. We don't turn uh, violent against police that are trying to rein in our protest. We also don't block traffic and put people in harm's way. They're going to be gathering. And let me just give you an example. Tomorrow's event, or excuse me, Saturday's event in Lorain County, which is uh, where I would be visiting uh, at 1 o'clock, uh, they're talking about it's going to be in uh, Avon at the corner of Detroit Road, which is 254 and uh, Route 83. And I'm looking at the the Learn More tab right now, and they're talking about where to park and where to organize. And we will organize on sidewalks. There are sidewalks on all four corners of the intersection. We're not going to be standing in the intersection demanding that Ohio be open and putting people in harm's way or inconveniencing or troubling anybody who's driving. Because we're not Antifa. We're not the left. So bring signs. Bring messages. Share what you want the world to see. There will be television coverage there. You can guarantee it. You want to be represented right. So let's make sure. And and don't come by yourself. Bring your neighbors. Bring your friends, even if they're not from your county. Bring your neighbors and friends and family with you. And they say that we're all in this together. So let's get all of us out of this together. Let's get all of us out of this pickle that we have been put into together. All right, so that's uh, that's my appeal to you. By the way, one other note before I go to the phones: um, Are you as tired of seeing Governor Mike DeWine, if you're on Twitter, using the hashtag "In This Together Ohio" as I am? Because here's what I see: I see a man who is collecting a hell of a paycheck every week from the taxpayers of the state of Ohio. He has not missed a paycheck. He has not missed a meal. He's not in danger of losing his house. He's not in danger of not making his rent payment. He's not in danger of not making his insurance premium or his light bill. Dr. Amy Acton is the same way. Not missing any checks of her $230,000 state salary as Ohio Department of Health Director. Yet they continue to say we're in this together, Ohio. How can you be in this when you continue to make the money that you're making and there are people whose who are living under your orders, whose jobs are gone, who aren't making their rent 
light payments, premiums, etc. You're not in this with us unless you are us. And I'm not saying me. Obviously, I continue to work. But I'm talking about the over 1 million Ohioans who have been unemployed and the ramifications for millions more who have been underemployed, the businesses that have closed. If you are truly in this with us, I am calling on Governor Mike DeWine, Lieutenant Governor John Husted, and uh, Health Director Amy Acton to forego your paychecks until everybody in Ohio that used to have a paycheck gets one back again. You forego your paychecks until we can, because it was your decisions that led to us losing ours. Again, speaking as a people. If you care and if you are in this together, Ohio, then be in it with us. No paychecks. You forfeit your salary until we get ours back. Maybe that'll let a little fire under Herr DeWine's uh, and uh, Frau Acton's behinds in order to... um, in order to get everybody back to work again. Uh, John is in Chardon on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, John, go ahead. Hey, morning, Bob. Uh, by comparison, Ohio to Florida under Mike De- or under Governor DeSantis, it's, I mean, things are back to normal. The restaurants are open. People are on the beaches. Uh, it's, it's business as usual. And then you've got Ohio. Uh, another quick comment. Uh, the wife wanted me to pose this question it'd it'd be interesting to confirm the party affiliation of the u.s congress physician that is advising nancy pelosi uh to remain on lockdown so uh i have no idea about that john that last part and thank you for the phone call i don't know the answer to that question but um i think i have a pretty good idea that's all I will say, because I think it's pretty clear who we know is pushing for lockdowns of states and uh, all over all over the country, and it is liberal Democrats. You know, and the sad thing is that our our quote unquote conservative Republican governor—I can't say that without laughing, really, or or retching—that um, he chose a liberal Democrat health director to make all his decisions for him. It's incredible, and I, you know, I'm not going to say they're enjoying this. But I know that it doesn't break their hearts that the national economy, which was thriving and almost a guarantee for Donald Trump to be reelected, has been stopped in its tracks, and we are now in recession. And it's just a, it's just a matter of fact. I guarantee you liberal Democrats all over this country are willing to sacrifice a lot, including a lot of money, by way of this shutdown, in order to make sure that the economy continues to retract and rather than expand, and that Donald Trump be held accountable for it at the ballot box. So you just you know put your political uh, spin on that. Uh, John is in uh, Olmstead Falls on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Hello, John. Go ahead, sir. Hi, Bob. First of all, I love your show. Listen to it every day. I'm going to Thank try you. to keep calm. Can you hear me? Okay. I hear you just fine, John. I'm going to, even though I'm furious, I'm going to try to stay calm. I walk in the park every day with my daughter. I'm here now. Nobody else is here. I'm sick of these sheep. I sit. When we walk together, we joke. Swarm, swarm, you know, waiting for the cops to come get us. Number two, I was a Vietnam veteran in the infantry. I'm 75 years old. I thought I was fighting for freedom. I'm sick of these sheep people in this country. Sick of them. I called the wine three or four times every day. And I tell him basically the same thing you do. You said you can't even get through to him half the time you can't get through to the vine. I call all these liberal a-holes, Pelosi, 
Kumo, and I tell them the same thing. I'm in the park. Why don't these people wake up? In Olmstead Falls, they have yellow tape around the little park on Columbia Road. I'm not at that park right now. I'm at another one nearby. I'm sick of it. I'm ready to do whatever. People, get your ass out and be defiant. What the? I'm in the park. 60 degrees and not one kid playing baseball. I am sick of it. Sorry to be upset. My friend, you do not apologize for that at all. Uh, and I, I, I second everything you just said. I cannot imagine what it feels like. Thank you for the call. To be a veteran who, as you said, fought for freedom, fought for the people of this country to live like no other, uh, to be, to be um, uninfringed by uh, an overreaching government, to, be, uh, to live their lives as they see fit, uh, and to see it all being given away, what did you bleed for? What did you put your life on the line for? What did those who went to Vietnam with you die for? What did those who went who fought in World War II, who fought in Korea and on down the line, you know, what did they all fight for? If it's all just going to be given away to a bunch of power-drunk governors who don't think that the representative republic that we built for ourselves should, should be the model anymore. And that's what it is when Mike DeWine yesterday said, I'll veto the bill that was passed that would give the legislature equal footing on making decisions on health pandemics and government closures. When he, when they said, we want to have a role in this too, remember we're a separate co-equal branch of the government and we make laws, DeWine said, nope, we have the power and we'll make the decisions. Me and the lab coat next to me, that's it. We don't need to hear from you. Vitaly, Grendel, Householder, Becker, Seitz, any of the rest of them. We don't need to hear from you, Keller. We, we'll do what we want to do. I'm telling you. When I call him Herr DeWine and Frau Acton, there's a reason. If you don't get it, you'll figure it out eventually. But that's what it reminds me of. Right back after this. <laughs> Ten fifty-five. last segment. Let's get a couple of more calls in before we go today. And uh, first one's going to be from Brooklyn Heights, and that's Wally on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello, Wally. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, listen, I just wanted to say, um, you know, the government's trying to control us physically, you know, by quarantining us. Then they're trying to control us mentally by keeping us in fear and mind control with all these ads and all these commercials about Death and and uh, just have and the masks and the masks that is a mind control mask. device and the yep. mask yes and the mask and then they're trying to control us spiritually by believing that they are the gods that we have to trust you know and then on uh, with the divine and uh, you know his pay cut yeah I I agree with you there totally my nephew had to take a twenty percent pay cut because divine asked that everybody take a twenty percent pay cut. So, uh, you know, he's already affected by that. What about all those people in government, Pelosi and, and uh, Schumer and all of them? Are they going to take a 20% pay cut? You know, Never, never, 
Never. Never. You know that as well Never. as I do. That's the one thing. It's always, you know, it's like, and thanks for the call, Wally. It's like uh, the governor of Chicago. Um, you know, the, the uh, no rights for, or I'm sorry, rights for me, but none for thee. And the same thing when it comes to the pay cut and the pay disparity and the fact that they continue to take their paychecks at all while they are making decisions that leave Ohioans and across the country people without paychecks is just a, a slap in the face. Gary, uh, no, I'm sorry, not Gary. It's uh, Fair, uh, Neil in Fairview Park. Sorry, Neil, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. Hi, Neil. Hello. Yes, sir, Neil. Hi, you're on the uh, air. Go ahead. Yeah. Hi. I just wanted to uh, revisit an issue. You know, you're an influential, influential guy, and uh, I enjoy listening to you, and mostly we're in agreement. But, uh, you know, I think the mask issue should be revisited from a different point of view. I can understand <laughs> not wanting to wear a mask from – it's inconvenient as all hell, but the whole point of the mask isn't to protect – you, the mask wearer, uh, it really is to protect the other guy. And the mask is pretty simple. You know, just wearing the mask might only give you 25% protection from getting smacked with, with uh, the virus if somebody's coughing or something in front of you. But if you are wearing the mask, you are protecting me. And Yeah, I've heard that argument phone- many, many times, Neil. And, and, and let sure. me say this in response to it, because I've heard it many, many times, and I thank you for the phone call. But here's the thing I would say, is if that mask was the difference maker in keeping other people from getting sick from my germs, then why on earth are all the businesses closed? Why don't they just open the entire state and the schools require masks? Because masks are your foolproof method from not getting the, uh, getting, uh, uh, the coronavirus. I mean, you can't have it both ways. I don't mean you, Neil, and I thank you for the phone call, seriously, but those who are making this argument, look, if the masks are the answer, then just mask everybody until the disease goes away, and then uh, and we don't have to close anything up. But if masks don't work, then that, you know, if you're closing everything up, you're essentially saying masks don't work. They're not the answer. And thirdly, I'd say three things, not two, but three. If masks were the answer to stopping the spread of the disease, then why weren't they made mandatory back in February when this whole thing started? Why weren't they made mandatory in March? Why were they not only not made mandatory, they were discouraged from being used? And I'm talking about politicians, I'm talking about doctors, I'm talking about the Surgeon General, said don't do it, don't use it, it's not going to help you, it's not going to help anybody. Don't wear the masks. Then suddenly they said, well, we've got nothing else to do to keep these people uh, afraid, so let's put everybody in masks. Well, I appreciate your point of view. I really do. I'm just not buying it. I don't agree with it. I wish I had more time to talk to you today, but I don't. Thanks so much for being a part of the show. Stay here. Mike Gallagher is next. We'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy the silence.